0: The Higher Side Chats doesn't start with underwear ads or guilt-tripping donation pleas, nor would I ever commit the cardinal sin of podcasting and interrupt the flow mid-show to show you an unrelated sponsor. But the free first-hour episodes do have to start with a little PSA before we get into it to ever so quickly remind slash inform listeners both old slash new that you're about to get into what I'm sure is a great first hour of a high-level interview, but that means you're missing half the show. If you like what we do around here, get yourself a THC Plus membership and listen to the full two-hour interviews as they were really designed to be and as I know you would enjoy them most. Give a little and actually get a little more in return of the thing you're actually engaging with. Five episodes every month, plus forum access, community comments, downloads to all the closing cover songs, a Plus Show RSS feed to use with any private RSS feed-supported app, and the occasional joint session bonus shows, which include the messages you might leave me about your own theories, experiences, or otherworldly encounters, at thehiresidechats.com slash voicemail. If you're not quite sure, if you just wanna feel us out, or if you're only here for this particular episode, no worries, new first time subscribers get a seven day free trial when you sign up at thehiresidechats.com, cancel anytime. Try it out, because it's so important to feed the things you want to grow and starve the things that gotta go. And with that said, let's get on with it already, huh? In the 1930s, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt addressed the nation through a series of radio broadcasts known as the Fireside Chats. His aim was to reassure the common man that our society would recover from its troubled times. Well, we're far from 1930, and I deal with a different kind of fire. For a new era of worldly frustration, we offer a fresh conversation. I'm Greg Carlwood, and these are the Higher Side Chats. Here we go again, Higher Side Chatters, coming in hot from sunny San Diego. I'm Greg Carlwood, and while it's always felt like the Capstone Cabal was comfortably controlling the mind, body, and spirit of the people from up on high, feeding us psychologically manipulative news and entertainment, sending us to cog-in-the-wheel careers, and blocking off the most fulfilling and meaningful inner paths in exchange for a corporatized spirituality or no spirituality at all, it feels like all their dials have definitely been turned up to their highest setting lately. Political polarization, encouraging World War III, virus panic, vaccine shaming, lockdowns, economic uncertainty, supply chain disruption, and a comply or die attitude that is actually being supported and even encouraged by our fellow citizens. Even I have been surprised by some of the latest moves on the 3D chessboard and just how enthusiastic so many people are to support a new round of top-down decrees as to what we must and mustn't do. And in times like these, I've got to turn to those who have been in the game much longer than me, like today's returning guest, Clyde Lewis. Clyde has been a powerful voice in parapolitical and paranormal news and commentary for years now. His career in radio began in Utah in 1982, and he created Ground Zero in 1995 in Salt Lake City. For a while now, broadcasting from just outside of Portland, Oregon, Ground Zero is in its 27th year. And I consider Clyde to be the last man standing when it comes to the Monday through Friday radical radio host that I hold in high regard. He's now doing his thing on Aftermath.media, which he announced the launch of on our last interview. And I'm psyched to get into it again. A conspiratorial weatherman, letting you know the clouds are certainly moving in. Captain of the SS Ground Zero and the conspiracy broadcasting king of the north, Clyde, my man. Welcome back.
1: Man, wow, what a great intro. I'm just, I'm now going to walk away. It was very good. Thank you. No, I'm just kidding. No, that was beautiful. Thank you so much.
0: Of course. Thank you for doing this. You've always been one of my favorite radio guys, and I'm lucky to have you here. We last spoke in the much simpler world of 2018, and I can't believe it's gotten this bad this fast. I went back and listened to that interview, and one of the things we discussed was a story about a rare polio-like virus that people were getting sick with. And the weird thing about that story was that there were 60 cases in 22 different states, which seemed more like it was seeded rather than spread naturally. And you said, quote, yeah, it's called gain of function research. They do this all the time. Release a lab made pathogen just to see how people would react. (laughs) Well, almost nobody knew that then, but they certainly know it now, don't they?
1: Yeah. You know, that's the thing is a lot of the time, you know, I appear on shows like this and you know, you catch me, you know, when I'm thinking off the cuff and I'm doing research and you know, I don't necessarily report it, so I give you like the scoop. And every once in a while, you know, I remember saying something. I don't know where I've said it, but I, I do say it. And more times than not it comes true because, you know, when you do a lot of research and you're seeing, you know, you know what papers to read, you know what people to talk to, you tend to get an idea of what the next step is gonna be and what's going to happen next. And it just becomes daunting at times to, you know, know these things. And what's interesting is like you said in your intro, it's like people are cheering this stuff on and it's unbelievable because I remember when I first did Ground Zero back in 95, I knew that we were going to head in this direction. but I had no idea that we would be that stupid. You know what I'm saying? It's like, mm-hmm. I, I figured that, you know, with what I do, what our Bell did, what Alex Jones was doing and all these other people are doing, we're warning people. And yet, even though the warnings go out, there's still a vast majority of people that aren't being reached, that don't know these things. And they get completely sideswiped by this information, thinking that it's all new and it's not. We've talked about this for, I could go all the way back to, like you say, 2018, maybe even beyond that, during the Obama administration was talking about, well, these are the plans, guys. You know, you better go accordingly. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh yeah, right, whatever. But see, it's not that, We were making the predictions and talking about these things. The problem is, is how people reacted. And it just completely baffles me how people can continue to react the way they do.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I certainly agree. That is one of the most surprising things about it. But that was certainly prophetic. And I wanted to give you props because it has been one of the most insane power plays in history. And it truly has been at a global scale, like at least I've never seen, a perfect storm of big pharma, technocracy, transhumanism and so many things that, like you say, you've warned about for years. I know you saw much of this coming, but outside of how people reacted, is there anything that really surprised you? The coordination, was that expected? Or what could you tell us about how you see the following steps continuing?
1: I think the execution of the coordination was probably right on par. I did not think, however, that something as I guess you could say not as, vi- uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Okay, when you look at COVID as opposed to what they could have released yeah, or what they could have brought into the picture, COVID is just merely, it's going to make everything else that comes later look really simple. And as I said, I think when we look back at history, people are going to laugh at us just like they laughed at the revolutionary, time of the Revolutionary War where they used to bleed people when they were sick. I think that same thing is going to happen with COVID, just to say we overreacted to virus with, you know, a mortality rate, that's rather low. And yet, you know, everybody was panicking over the mortality rates of those who are at risk. I mean, I'm one of those people who are at risk, and I have not been vaccinated. I mean, I try to participate in masking as much as I can, because of course, rules are rules. And I try to keep as many, you know, rules as possible out of consideration of other people. But The truth is, is that there was no one and there is no one It's going to do battle for those who have compromised immune systems or have been through cancer or who are overweight or, you know, have diabetes or any of these other things. And so, you know, I think the real conspiracy, if you want to call it a conspiracy, is that when the baby boomers, when people who are projecting futures, probably dating all the way back to 1973, when Henry Kissinger was proposing starving the country. There was a, a moment, I think, where these statisticians and the technocrats all got together and said, Well, there's going to be a major burden on the healthcare industry because of baby boomers. So we got so many, we have a population that's edging their way into their sixties and seventies, and they're gonna need health care. We're gonna have to find a way to take a burden off the system. And so what better way to do it than to do a culling with plausible deniability? And what they did is they created COVID. You know, COVID killed the right kind of people, it killed a few other people, too. But, you know, that's collateral damage when you're in a war. So even Gates was talking about it with such glee, you know, wringing his hands and smiling a lot, saying, well, you know, say, la vie. you know, people are going to die from this. And if you don't get vaccinated, blah, 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 blah. But now, you know, now with the, the war going on, we haven't heard, you know, uh, Bill Gates and his lamenting the fact that, you know, things like Omicron and other things took out COVID. But now that you have another variant that they're going to release on everybody and it's going to freak people out, And we're not going to see the end of this unless somebody just says, look, it's endemic. Leave us alone. We want to get on with our lives.
0: Mm -hmm. And you mentioned the war. Well, I was certainly going to ask you about that, but there is usually a delay between me recording an interview and it actually getting released to the people. So I'm a little hesitant to spend too much time on it because some news I'm seeing says that. There's an agreement just about to be reached. And then other stories say that World War Three is at our doorstep. So I don't know. What do you think? Will this be over by this time next week? Or are we in for the long haul?
1: Well, you're looking at a war that, you know, you debate how long it's been. It could be, people say it was either 800 years or it's been eight years because of the coup. It just depends on who you talk to. So that area, I mean, ever since... Russia did what they did. I think that area is going to be marred for a long time. We're still going to you know, probably hear repercussions of all this. We're probably going to see how this is going to, I believe it's going to melt down into the food situation again. I mean, the whole goal here is scarcity. The whole goal is before we establish the reset, we have to destroy everything that the reset wants to replace. And what they want to do is they want to starve us. And it's been the goal since Kissinger's 1973 memorandum where he said that, that the only way we're going to be able to convince people that we need a new order or we need a new way of doing things is to starve them first, keep them on the brink of starvation. It's like what Orwell said. I mean, the idea is to keep the, the ideas of war continuous. And that's why, because if you keep civilization on the brink of starvation, they will work harder to make sure they don't starve to death. It's psychological. It's like, if you're going to starve, you're either going to be like the ants and the grasshopper and the ant. You're going to save up food and you're going to save up provisions or you're going to wait for everything to fall apart around you. You're going to depend on other people. And the codependency factor is going to be like, well, if you're going to be a codependent person, you're going to do as I say. Other than that, we're just going to leave you out in the cold. So that's the whole point is that if they're going to weaponize the food, which is that's the next step, weaponizing food, weaponizing water, Organizing basic things, and that's going to be a, a tool for you to comply. I mean, death is one thing; starving to death is another thing. And I don't think people want to starve to death. I don't think people really want to starve. They want their, they want their urban sprawl. They want their Monday night football. The minute that goes away, the minute the beer goes away, the minute the breads and circuses go away, is the minute we all freak out, and, and uh, this is where we're going to have total chaos.
0: Right. Another element of this whole Russia-Ukraine thing is their exports. I've heard you talking about this in regards to food, that Russia and Ukraine export 30% of the world's wheat and a lot of fertilizer that's required too. Everybody's talking about oil, but I think you're on something with this food thing because it could get quite scary.
1: It accelerates a lot of problems. I mean, what we're going to see also is we're going to see the rise of the central bank's we're the central bank and we're see digital currency. That's the next phase too. I mean, a lot of things are going on. I don't know if they're all going to go on simultaneously. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I never think that all this is going to happen linear. I never think in a linear way. I always think everything is going to be simultaneous. If We do anything the way it is. That's the way, you know, you get people to basically be confused as you throw things at them all at once. And rather than try to walk and chew gum at the same time, most people just give up and they say, no, I'm not going to do this. Mm-hmm. I mean, back then, it was hard to imagine all the stuff we're in now, but we don't need to imagine anymore. I mean, they have shown exactly how they're going to use their power. They have shown how it's done, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, look at what happened last month. We had Canada, a country that we never think would do anything as drastic as tracking down truckers, Freedom Convoy protesters. And we didn't know that they were going to freeze their bank accounts, the people who donated. So think how easy that was for them to do that. They're freezing the assets of Vladimir Putin as well. Think of how easy they do that. And then they'll say, hey, here's an idea. Well, why don't we just have everything digital so we do the same thing to anybody who doesn't comply to our little new world order we want? See, not only would it be easier to seize people's assets – you can stop people donating to the wrong causes, stop people donating to the things they don't approve of, stop people paying for things they don't approve of. And they turn around and they say, well, you don't need to own anything. We'll provide it all for you. And you'll be happy about that. We'll all be happy. In fact, there will be one big happy family and you won't get that harmful misinformation and you won't want to have that on your social credit score because that'll make you even more vulnerable to you know being bullied by the government. So Not only is there going to be a war declared for food and resources, there's going to be a war declared on finances. I mean, most people wouldn't even dream of thinking that they would be charged, let alone convicted of any crime, just because of who they are or what they believe. But it's being done right now with Russia. It's being done right now with Ukraine. It's being done. I mean, this is the test part. Can you drum up enough hatred for a group of people? Or, I mean, just yesterday I was complaining on the air that I guess Yuri Gagarin, who was the first man to orbit Earth Russian, there was a symposium, a space symposium, where they removed his name from the agenda, talking about the first man in space because he was Russian. Yeah. That's insane.
0: Yeah, rewriting history.
1: Yeah, and I said something like, but well, what? We're not going to listen to Tchaikovsky at Christmas time? Are we not going to what about Tolstoy? What about Tchaikovsky? What about I mean, what about all these other Russians that have contributed to our culture? And are we just going to throw them out too because we're all just so angry? See, this is how bad it gets. I mean, the possibilities are endless. And those who are controlling the information are horrible. They're horrible people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so controlling the information, controlling the food sources, Controlling your money, controlling your increase, that's going to be the death knell for everybody's individual freedom. And I cannot overstate how important this is for everybody. I mean, I made the predictions in 2018 on your show, and these are the predictions I'm going to make on your show now. And these are going to be timeless. These are going to be, no matter when you record the show, no matter when you distribute the show, these are going to be timeless predictions because, as I said, if you're only concerned about one thing. You shouldn't be concerned about the war. The wars, they come and they go. This is basically a border clash is what this is. We're treating it as it's going to be World War III. And it could lead to World War III if they don't come to a peace agreement. But what can happen, what will happen is Zelensky will feel he's being betrayed by the United States. He'll feel that he's not getting enough from us. He's not getting enough from NATO. He's going to make a peace agreement. It's going to be shaky at best. We will like having a demilitarized zone in Russia and, and Ukraine. And then we'll go back to normal. Then maybe we'll see some stuff going on in the Asia theater that's going to be threatening us with war. It's just basically a show. It's all theater. It's theater because people buy into it. I mean, notice how easy it was to convince people to go from one crisis to another crisis. Mm-hmm. That is watching how PSYOPs works. That's how PSYOPs work. Psychological operations work.
0: Right. There's always a next thing. And when it comes to this Russia-Ukraine situation, you've done some really great shows lately breaking down the esoteric elements of the conflict. Of course, we have the blue and yellow flag being waved everywhere. If you go back to the Super Bowl halftime show, we had Snoop Dogg dressed in blue and yellow. And then, of course, the Rams, that's their colors, and they won. And that was also weird because... They did that whole performance at the halftime show on these big, plain white containers. And if you look at what FEMA quarantine camps look like, it's hard to find a better match. So more seating of the subconscious, I guess. But when it comes to this Russia-Ukraine thing, what are some of the other esoteric elements or even biblical elements that seem to be at play with this?
1: I don't know if there's really any biblical. I mean, they're saying a lot of things are biblical. They're saying a lot of things are Esoteric you know, about it I I've seen some things that would be considered synchronous. Like for example, Michael the Archangel is the patron saint of Kiev. And just recently there was a report out of Colorado where a statue of Saint Michael or the Archangel, Michael the Archangel was bleeding, which I thought was interesting. Hmm. You know, hoax or not, it's still significant to the faithful. They still see that as some sign. There was a, a rock in Japan that apparently split open. It was supposed to be a rock that housed a thousand-year-old demon named Paramomo. Yes. And so this demon's now being released, which reminds me of Revelation chapter 20, which states that when a thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. And I just thought, oh, that's kind of bizarre. There was also in Rhode Island, a bag of calves head, a number of roosters and a kid, a goat had, I guess, used for some type of uh, satanic ritual. So, I mean, a lot of this is a lot of stuff that's going on right now is simply it it sounds like it's something out of a horror film. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything sounds like a B horror existence (laughs) and anything from like I was talking the other night about these spiders that are supposed to be invading the East Coast. Spiders, murder hornets and Geo. What is it? It, it...
0: Was it Brood X?
1: (laughs) Yeah, brood eggs, the cicadas, yeah. But I was thinking about these genetically modified mosquitoes that Oxitec is supposed to be releasing. Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, that's a great idea. Let's release something unnatural into the ecosystem. All this time we're warned that, you know, our carbon footprint is going to destroy the ecosystem, but they decide, well, we're just going to screw again with the ecosystem by geoengineering the planet by putting in these genetically modified mosquitoes. So, I mean, we make our own plagues, we build our own beasts, I mean... We're setting things up for, uh, you know, lack of a better marketing term, we're setting things up for the Antichrist. We're setting things up for the beast. We're setting things up for what is called the imperial cult. You know, if you, if you don't want to use religious terms, just call it the imperial cult with the avatar, the avatar that houses the fourth dimensional being that are supposed to destroy this planet. They call it the fourth industrial revolution. But the truth is, is there are fourth dimensional beings that will come in, enter into the bodies of these 39 that we've unelected, and they're going to be ruling the world with one man being the head dude. And they're going to call him Him, His Infernal Majesty, and that's where it's going to go.
0: Damn. <laughs> that is a bold one, a bold prediction. Yeah. Also, you know, the date of this whole conflict apparently was 2 twenty two. the date of the Pluto return, and a lot of the stuff we find reflected in the stars. But there was another episode you did last week. I wanted to read the description of it. It says, During the initial attacks from Russia, Ukrainian soldiers were reporting unusual miracle lightning in the skies above Kiev. In fact, since this incident, there have been reports of UFO sightings all over Ukraine. And that's interesting. I didn't hear about that anywhere else, but also apparently the Phoenix lights are back. So there seems to be some uh, movements in the sky at a higher rate than normal.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, this story... Could be. I mean, again, whenever I hear stories like the ghost of Kiev or, you know, the idea that beauty queens are packing their guns and going to war. (laughs) Right. Right. I stop and I say that sounds like all propaganda and it probably is. I mean, let's face it. I mean, You need a good war story. It's like what happened with that plane that was supposed to go to Washington. It was over, you know, Pennsylvania. And they said, let's roll. And they uh, brought it down. You know, that's, that's bull. That's not real. It's a lie. It was just propaganda because they took a situation. They wanted to make a story. So it didn't sound so damn hopeless. And they do the same thing with this stuff, but I just found it intriguing this story because of course, you know, I talk about the paranormal and parapolitical all the time. And just the idea that a young man called his father and uh, his father was religious. And he said to his dad, he said, While he was in church, he says, please pray for us. You know, we're on the front lines and the tanks are closing in and we don't know what to do. And so the father held up the phone to the congregation. The congregation was praying. And then the soldier called his father back. He says, you wouldn't believe this. He says, we were waiting for the tanks to come in and kill us all. But then all of a sudden we saw something that looked like a spaceship that came over the horizon. And it fired this miraculous lightning. This pillar of fire came down out of the sky and destroyed all the tanks. And I just thought that sounded amazing. That was an amazing story. Like I said, there's no way of telling if it was real or not. But, of course, then came a number of stories about UFOs all over Ukraine. And what I say to that is, is that you know when you're fighting a war and you're looking up and you see these strange craft out there, They're indistinguishable from magic because you've never seen them before. Now, there could be a logical explanation for all of it, but still, it's a great story. It's a great story that even if it was aliens or even if it was something, it's still a remarkable story that a miracle or, as they said, miracle lightning came down out of the sky and destroyed these tanks. Could have been just something as simple as a huge unknown craft that maybe we haven't seen before, they haven't seen before. And even then... There's not supposed to be anything that big out there. So you know, you never know. You never know what was it about. And that's what makes it even more fascinating story is that if they don't, I mean, you usually these military people would know the difference between something that would be a UFO and something that would be a military type plane, but they thought it was something like a spaceship. And so that's why I ran with the story. I thought it was a great story.
0: Right, right. And I do agree with you now that you say so, it does sound like. It has the flavor possibly of uh, propaganda kind of reminds me of Constantine seeing the cross in the sky and converting to Christianity, like these big stories that kind of tie in the paranormal with the political. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then, of course, you know, we do have these other stories of UFOs flying over nuclear facilities and disabling them. Yeah. So maybe they just don't want us fighting. Maybe they don't want us wrecking this planet. That's
1: true. I mean, they don't. I just think, though, that people need to understand that whatever is going on with Europe, whatever is going on with NATO, whatever is going on with Russia, we need to understand that it's hitting the poorest countries out there. And it's planting the seeds for political instability and unrest around the entire world. What's next? You know, Israel bombing Damascus. What's next? Yemen continues to be out of control. Yeah. You know, poorer countries now have already been struggling to recover from COVID-19 from the lockdowns and closing down much of the global economy. Well, we see the inflation rates going out of control. We see the interest rates going out of control. And we're going to see people are not going to be able to pay their bills. There's going to be a lot of debt burdens. So how do we do that? We have to basically blow up and start over. I mean, as I said, and, and as you pointed out, Ukraine exports sunflower oil. They export wheat and corn. And of course, Russia provides heating oil and natural gas for most of Europe. So when you're looking at African countries, for example, they depend on that wheat. They depend on that corn. They depend on it all. So when you have one of the biggest continents out there with people starving to death, they get their wish. You know, Kissinger got his wish. You see gonna happen before he dies off. So, you know, fertilizer and fuel and all these things, you know, you may say, well, it doesn't bother me, but it is going to bother you. It's going to hit you hard because You know, we look at what COVID did. COVID basically disrupted a lot of transport and production and food chain. And what it did is it showed how weak we really are. I mean, how our system is not as foolproof as we thought. And so now we have a combination of supply disruption. We got the sanctions, of course. And then Russia, of course, is going to restrict their exports. And so what's going to happen? We're going to see the farms fail. We're going to see potential turmoil. We're going to see food prices increasing. We're going to see possible shortages. I mean, I, I can't count how many times I've gone to the store wanting to get a certain brand of food and find that it's not there because, well, the other day I wanted to buy something as simple as Capri Sun, which is a punch for my boy, my my stepson. And I couldn't find the flavor I was looking for because they said that they weren't in stock. So. You look at all the things that Russia provides, all the things that Ukraine provides, natural gas, and of course, they're the third largest oil producer. This is exposing the fragility and the dependence we have on not only oil, but the globalized food system. And so this whole idea of a world order, this whole idea of a new world order, all of us depending on everybody else, it's flawed. And so, what, what do they have to do? They have to say, "Well, we need centralized control. We need to be able to do it from a world perspective. These sovereign nations don't need to exist anymore." And that's the point. I mean, they want to demonstrate how out of control everything is. We need to move towards a food hub, a world food hub, a world cooperative, and we need to depend on everybody. And and then we have to in a world sense, create sustainable support systems for all producers of everything, from food distribution to lumber distribution to metal distribution. And everything is in short supply now for some reason. And it involves this paradigm shift where we're either going to have to say to ourselves that we want to be dependable locally, or we have to say that we have to be dependable globally. And they're giving us the choice. And the choice is obvious. Right, The choice is going to be you want a good agro food system, you want a good cycle, you want these things to happen the way they're supposed to happen, a world government, a world body is the way to go. And that is how we're going to convince people to cheer on the new world order. It's because of loss. It's because of fear of death. It's the fear of losing, the fear of being poor. I mean, everybody has that biggest fear. And so that's why it's so effective to use a disease or a food chain supply shortage or even a water shortage to convince people that, I mean, this is a war on multiple fronts. It's not just a war where we're shelling nuclear power plants in Ukraine. This is everything. This is food. This is disease. This is, I mean, it's a siege of instituted terror on all angles.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Well said. Yeah, they definitely are hitting us with every card in the deck. And, you know, really, I thought the truckers were going to end up being scapegoated for the supply chain issue. But really, it just seemed like they were shown to us as an example of how the shutting off finances is going to work. Because now that we've seen it, people kind of subconsciously expect it or they aren't so shocked next time when it happens. But yeah, we had so many supply-related stories recently, the barges stacking up off the West Coast. They're pulling them into neighborhoods with these big storage containers. And then, you know, I've seen even in LA, there's a lot of folks that have gotten wise to robbing supply trains. You look down at the tracks and it's just all Amazon boxes ripped open because people are like, screw it, I'm getting mine. And I know there's stuff on this train. And that's pretty gnarly. And then, of course, gas prices, and even just the soft on crime approach to letting people rob stores. They really are trying to break it. As you've said, you can't build back better unless you have something that's broken and they're doing their damnedest to make it look broken. But all those issues, truckers, barges off the West Coast, supply, trains, gas prices, local is the answer. For pretty much all of that. All of that is less of a big deal if you focus on your local community. So I'm with you there.
1: Well, and that's the thing is that they want us to be a world collective. World collectivism is something that's always been the dream and centralized power has always been the dream. So with a wink and a nod and a lot of IT and a lot of internet things and I guess subversive propaganda, we're all going to be cheering on our own demise. We're all going to be cheering on Our enslavement. And I don't know if people can't see the tyranny, or I guess you could call it soft tyranny for the moment because people don't understand it, but the constant tyranny, it's the first world, eat, drink, sleep, oil, war, business, lobbying, and it's all under the umbrella of the deep state and government that doesn't care about the people. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly how it's done. And people want to believe they're going to be a part of this great big club. and They're going to be accepted with open arms. And guess what? As George Carlin said, you're not in that club Mm -hmm. and you'll never be in that club because totalitarianism is in the marketing of what we can do for them, not what they can do for you. I mean, war, murder, war industry, the, medical-industrial complex, the military-industrial complex, surveillance. I mean, all these things, we look at what these guys really want to do. And it is a corp, I guess, it was, I don't know what you say, a corporeal type of situation where we all suffer, at least in some way. Nobody nobody gets out without a scratch. That's the problem with this. It's a tectonic shift is what it is. I mean, shifts taking place all over in the world order, we're probably going to be supplying Ukraine with a lot of things, even if the war ends and we're going to keep sanctioning even if the war
0: ends. Yeah. And on the subject of supplying Ukraine, I mean, I don't know what it was exactly $12 billion or something like that. And it's really wild. Actually, I think it was $16 billion in aid that we gave them. Yet, you know, you can't even cut a check to struggling families here, but you got our tax dollars you can ship over there. But it gets really weird when you start to think back to when Trump was president, he was calling for an investigation into why Joe Biden's son is on the board of Barishma holdings. I guess it's the largest private oil and gas extracting company in Ukraine. Right. And then Joe Biden becomes president. And it's almost like a reward for not doing an investigation. Like, hey, you know, you didn't out my son then. So now I'm going to give you the 16 billion. Right. And it's just very coincidental, isn't it? Yeah, this
1: is all, you know, like I say, it's a war of slave masters. You know, people investing money and laundering their money through Ukraine. And Russia says no more. And then we say, screw you. See, here's the thing, you need to remember this. While Ukraine is fighting its war, and while we're all, you know, feeling terrible, it's like the news, as I said, is reporting Russia bad, Ukraine, poor Ukraine. I mean, I can sum up every news story I've seen is that Russia is horrible and Ukraine is really, really getting their asses kicked, literally. There it's it's a sad thing Ukraine's doing that. And I agree, it's horrible. But see, what we're not paying attention to. And this is going to be the next thing. Okay, we're not paying attention to the Chinese. We're not paying attention to what the Chinese are doing, maybe with Taiwan, or the Russian and Chinese influence in the Middle East. They're working their their magic in the Middle East. And so they're working their magic and their power balance sheet on the Palestine-Israel issue. Okay? And they're going to pivot their attention to Asia, They're gonna pivot their attention to the Pacific theater or the Eurasian theater or whatever. And we're gonna move to and as many Christians will tell you, it's going to be Israel. It's gonna be this massive fight between the Christian constituency and the Israeli constituency and Palestinian constituency, all basically fighting it out. And United States is gonna risk its superpower status in order to be offensive as well as defensive. So when you're looking at the moves and, you know, people are only paying attention to Russia's side bad, Ukraine's side good. But common sense dictates that you need to look at the whole picture. And you need to develop ways to understand what the massive changes are, are, are going on in the world. And that changes that are eventually going to yield a whole new geopolitical reality, which would be the Great Reset. And people will dismiss this reset as conspiracy theory, but it's obvious that this is where it's going. It's obvious people like Zelensky are part of that group. Yeah. It's easy for everyone to be pulled into this vortex of groupthink. But when the group thinking is flawed, you have to rely on your own critical thinking. And a lot of people have dismissed their own critical thinking. They have Infantilized this country. They've infantilized most of the world, basically saying, You can't make your decisions on your own. We'll make them for you. And if you don't like it, tough. You didn't do it on your own, so we're going to do it for you. Mm-hmm. That's the sad thing.
0: Yeah. And it is just crazy how quickly people lap it up. I mean, it's like, so the news media who lied for two years about COVID is telling you the truth now. It's just so weird that if you scream loud enough and come aggressively enough, people do just fall in line for the most part.
1: Right, take a look at Russia for a moment and say to yourself, all this propaganda about Putin being this madman and that he's got a disease or whatever. No, Putin is not a general, he's not a thinking guy. He's just a modernist leader. He's a KGB spy. And he knows everything about war, and he realizes that war and murder are part of the political structure of Russia. And he's playing by the ugly rules. He's obvious about it. He's not going to hide behind the fact that most politicians murder, rape, and destroy, and they have plenty of spin to make you think that they're the good guys. Putin, on the other hand, no, I'll do it. I don't care. I don't care about my reputation. I'm a a KGB asset. I'm going to kill. And I don't care if people think I'm a bastard, but look at everybody else's killing. they got good PR people that are going to make them look like they're the heroes. And when in reality, they're all a bunch of murderous psychopaths.
0: Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, there are no good guys. Everyone gets pulled into this. Oh, well, if they're lying about it, then Ukraine must be bad and Russia must be good. And it's like, "Eh, I don't think so. I don't know if there's ever good guys when you get to that top level.
1: Right. It's just creepy. It's because of the surveillance machines, because of the, not just the surveillance machine, it's because of the censorship, it's because of the woke, it's because of all this. But what really gets me is, is, the reason why I say we're so infantilized in this country is because the media has done its best to almost make this sound like Putin's a Bond villain and... The good guy is there in ukraine it's like they're comic strip villains and it's so simple to make it sound like well putin is this guy that's mentally ill sick or whatever and people believe that crap no he's doing it because he's a bastard he's doing it because he's violent he's doing it because he doesn't hide behind the guidelines and the acquiescence he says no i'm not going to lie to people i'm going to be a bastard i'm going to kill all the other guys, well, we're bastards and we kill too, but we have a good PR campaign to get things to make it sound like we don't do it. I mean, our bloodlust is permissive. We can do it because our people stand behind us. That's what Hitler called blood cement. I'll kill for you, but you make damn good sure that you support me if I do kill for you. That's what they do in most gangs. It's like a gang guy takes out one guy for another guy, and the other guy has to swear his devotion. And that's what we've done here in this country.
0: Hmm, man. And another angle on this that I had no idea about until your recent show, Christ in Action, The Lord Works in Mysterious CIA Ways, was about World Vision. I don't know if I've ever heard about World Vision, but apparently they have a pretty deep history and they are a missionary group, a Christian philanthropic organization, but they are very entwined with the CIA. Maybe they're just a a front, but... Apparently, they're involved here and their history goes back to, as you say, intriguing connections with John Hinckley Jr., Jim Jones, Mark David Chapman, and the Bush family. I mean, wow.
1: (laughs) Right. I mean, like I said, when you have a front for the CIA, when you feel that your cause is good no matter what you do, you're going to murder and spin it as much as you can. And now... The cool thing is, is that this evil has its own mouthpiece. Not only does it have the mainstream media, but it has Zuckerberg. It has Twitter. It has people who are self-censoring because they're afraid to say what they feel. They block things. They tear things down. Even when people try to tell the truth, they're told they can't speak the truth. You know, Sun Tzu said the truth is a casualty of war. Everybody says the truth is a casualty of war. In this case, it's just completely out of the lines. I mean, all of what we're seeing here is a familiar pattern. And we're seeing something happens. The government doesn't want you to know the truth about they don't want you to hear about how evil they are. And so then what we do is we go in and we start coming after people for keywords and bots and you know algorithms and all this other stuff. I mean it's called social contagion experiment, which is a gain of function experiment on the internet. Social contagion experiment is what Facebook did when they decided to put out these sad stories. They wanted to see how the emotions of their format would change if they did that. And they found they had a lot of power to influence people by putting out certain stories and blocking other stories. And so this is what they're doing with the war. They're blocking out other stories that are very important about the war and strategic decisions that be made by the people and, and whether or not they want to be a part of it. And they're putting in, like I said, you know, Russia bad, poor Ukraine nothing about the Middle East, nothing about Yemen, nothing about Israel and Palestine, nothing about China, because we have to wait until the media decides they want to focus and pivot themselves to another direction in this war effort, this war reporting. I mean, we are we are like trained bears, trained dogs, trained seals. We bark at whatever, whatever comes next.
0: Mm-hmm. Well said. And on the subject of When the media decides to focus on something and, you know, I hate to get so political, but another thing I saw just this morning is that now the New York Times has done this story on Hunter Biden's laptop that he stupidly left at a computer repair shop. And I hear there are some really unsavory things on it, smoke and crack with very young looking prostitutes and such. But before it was dismissed as a rumor or a right wing thing. and If you wrote about that online, your account would get removed a year ago. Now it's a New York Times story. That's very odd. Same with the lab leak thing. It would get you removed online, but now it's kind of common knowledge. This laptop is going that same direction. And I'm just, I wonder what that signals.
1: Well, it signals that they want complete control of the narrative. They don't want citizen journalists. They don't want people to have their own opinions. I mean, before when it was print, it was limited unless you had a lot of money to print. Now, citizen journalists are trying to get the information out there. They may not be right, but hell, the mainstream isn't right half the time. Right. <laughs> so, this is something that's unprecedented because it's the promotion of global fascism. And they're going to tell you when the world's going to end. They're going to show you the world is ending. <laughs> and you're going to believe it. That's why I ask the question, is this eschaton we're in right now, is it synthetic or is it real? And even if it is synthetic, it doesn't matter because people are going to believe it's the end of the world as we know it or the beginning of the end of the world. Or it's like I said the other night, I said, the world will end with a hashtag. I know that T.S. Eliot said something like the world's going to end with a whimper, but I think it's going to end with a hashtag. <laughs> Basically, someone's going to hashtag the end of the world and that's it. So, you know, Robert Frost had his ideas about how the world would end. T.S. Eliot had an idea of how the world will end. My idea is the world's going to end with a hashtag.
0: I like it. I like it. Well, I don't like it, but it is catchy. (laughs) It's a sad reality. But in terms of the way things are going, there's another show you did recently. Boer's Rapture, I guess is how you'd pronounce it. But it says in the description, the New World Order will be a hybrid model that blends state and religion with a demonic totalitarian system of worship and control. Not unlike the demon Boer who shall... See the kingdom move in all directions. Boer is a spirit that appeared in the 16th century grimoire pseudo-monarchia daemonum and is called the president of hell. Having 50 legions of demons under his command, these truly malevolent ambassadors from the darkest regions of the netherworld coalesce to bring the world down with them while leaving behind key footprints and dead bodies in its wake. Right. I mean, (laughs) that's pretty grim, Clyde.
1: Well. It's metaphoric is what it is. I mean, look, fair. Whenever you speak about demons, whenever you speak about ghosts, or whatever you speak about, these, sometimes you use them in metaphors. They're great metaphors because people understand them without lack of marketing terms. I always say that the Bible's a good source. Demons are a good source to try and illustrate the evils of the world. Not necessarily saying that, you know, something that has a feline space goat's feet is going to wind up, you know, on the world stage. But for good or bad, we need to understand that these metaphors change the way we navigate the world, okay? Basically, when you look at a particular apocalypse, you have this fallout that always happens with it, where you see the corporate state basically trying to manipulate things to make it look like the Bible says that this is true. I remember Hitler actually had said that he basically rewrote the book of Revelation to make it sound as though that his leadership is going to be the new world and it's going to be blessed by God. And then I think it was like MGM or some other group had to do a, a movie called we read Nostradamus in the book revelation 2, And it was basically counter programming, but that's the thing is that we have the corporate state that wants power. And if they can understand what people believe for good or bad, they can go in and they can change the boundaries of how you think about the world and how you think about the end of the world. I mean, it's a playing field that we have a hard time keeping up with. Information happens all the time, happens everywhere, and this new world order, a global order, is basically a number of agencies, corporations that owe its existence, in large part, to what I call a synarch. A synarch is some sort of a divine or profane group in the background that have these secret alliances and these secret combinations with nations and global corporations that are basically rewriting history. Klaus Schwab said himself, he said, listen, he said, in order for this new order to work, we have to have a new narrative. And so what they have to do is they have to establish an international cabal. And of course, we call it the deep state. And we have a militarized, industrialized American deep state. We have a worldwide deep state. And it all poses a great threat to our rights as individuals, to our lives. And so, yes, the president of all demons, a.k.a. the Antichrist, has his minions, the global deep state, and they're going to go in and they're just going to take out everything. And we've been inching closer and closer to that. And this has been happening for decades. But, of course, COVID-19 was a tool that they used that became intertwined. It shifted everything and it created a transformation like we're very different now than we've ever been and they said that 9-11 would change everything no this has changed everything because now we go from one particular crisis to now russian aggression which by the way for four years 93 percent of all of cnn the last four years was all about russian collusion
2: Mm -hmm.
1: now it's about russian aggression so we, we know what the agenda is. Given all that we know about what's happening here, the world order basically sees you as a faceless statistic. You are an economic unit that is bought and sold, bartered, traded, tracked, lied to, You know, gaslit. They steal from you. They spy on you. They kill you. They maim people. They enslave people. They break laws all the time. Their overreach is insanity. It's the new authority. Overreach is the new authority. Abuse of power is happening at every turn. And we are cheering on this power play because we are abiding by political thought, ideologies that certainly people wear on their sleeves. And they would, you know, it's like Trump said. He said, I could shoot somebody on Pennsylvania Avenue and get away with it. Yeah, and, you know, Biden could make deals with his son and... You know, do all these things and get away with it because the people, I mean, it's not a stretch to suggest that the government has been overtaken by a power elite that do not have any of our best interests at heart. Mm -mm. And if you've been paying attention, which I wish a lot of people would, it's increasingly obvious that we're already under a world order. Yeah. And it's being brought to you by or being enforced by somebody that we could call the president of hell and the deep state minions so we could call whatever we want. I mean, this is something that is forged in the fires of hell. It really is, I think.
0: Yes, and I definitely appreciate a good demonic metaphor, but sometimes I also think that they are actually in league with real demons to some degree because you see all these weird things that they place up around state property and the public square. Right. Last time we were talking, you said... People spend too much time on politics and they miss a lot of important esoteric signaling. And you had mentioned a 3D replica of the Arch of Baal installed at the Washington Mall. And I agree. We definitely have to watch for those things. And I'm curious if you've seen any other homages to old dark gods and demons lately.
1: Well, I mean, if you want to look at the letter Z that they're using on tanks, that's an homage to Zeus. The power gods, they're they're rewording everything for the Roman and Greek versions of the gods. They're naming our diseases after them. They're naming our spaceships after them. So, you know, they're going back to the idea of these gods that were ignored and being brought back as the gods of power. You're going to be seeing a lot of this manipulation, I think, in the future. But see, that's the thing, is that those who know and those who pay attention, they may sound crazy, but they are intricately looking at how there are a number of things that impact our lives, our our liberties. And it's because of this convergence of the thought process of a fourth industrial revolution, a fourth Reich, if you will. And it's all being done by... Profit-driven corporate interstate surveillance state, the medical industrial complex, the military industrial complex, the private prison industry, everything is about intelligence and counterintelligence, securities, technologies, threat assessments, telecommunications, internet of things, 5G, pharmaceuticals. I mean, all these things are dominated by megacorporations. And they're all part of this global family. They're all looking out. They're working through government channels so they can make more money. I mean, how many billionaires made tons of money off COVID and we're all dying and we're fighting over that crust of bread? Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember I was on conspiracy theory with Jesse Ventura and I made that statement. I go, we're all going to be fighting over the crust of bread while our leaders are going to go underground and be in these bunkers while we're all fighting for the last crust of bread. That's what's going on now. It's not that they're in their bunkers. They're basically hiding in their mega corporations. So these global corporate giants are influencing everything from legislative policies to economics, environmental issues, climate change, medical care, who gets medical care, who dies, who lives. That's on every front, whether it's the war on drugs or the sale of weapons or getting vaccines or immigration. All these things that we talk about are interests of the corporate stooges. I mean, that's the thing is that people think that It's something passionate they care about, but in reality, it's passionate they've been given a choice to care about, whether it be the pandemic or profit margins on gas or all these things are what the government does and what the government serves you on a plate cold. And it puts the American people on the losing end of everything. Everything that you're concerned about and everything you try to fight you always end up on the losing end because we've been losing our freedoms so incrementally for so long. And, you know, they've been sold to us because, well, you need to be safe. You know, your freedoms are are not freedoms or you're not safe. So national security of course is in there. The idea that if we just maintain these rules, we'll all feel better. We'll flatten the curve. It's for the public good. And if you don't do it, we'll maintain it with martial law. We'll call it law and order, but it's not. And if you don't like the way the police handle things, we'll bring in an army. And if you don't like the way the army handles things, we'll bring in the UN and blah, 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 blah. That's how the elite are determined to maintain their powers at all costs. And I don't know when in history we started going downhill. I I was thinking maybe back in the day where we opened the door to the Nazis back in the 1940s and we had them run our intelligence ops because... That's where your shadow government lies, I think. I think that the shadow government was basically all those Nazis that came in, the scientists and the strategists and those who wanted to create a Cold War because they were hoping that we'd create a scorched earth policy where we'd blow each other up and the Third Reich would win overall. Because Hitler had said something in effect. He says, no German, even no world citizen, should be left on this planet if they don't know the beauty of the Third Reich. And I think that that still stands. It's the idea of control yeah and look at what has happened here i mean i'm 58 years old i'm becoming that old guy because of how i feel and how i look at things but i'm the old guy only because it's taken a generation for our freedoms to be eroded and the global deep state structure to be erected okay and the generations that don't hear about all of this See, when I was a kid, I listened to my dad, and I thought he was lying to me about all this stuff. He was telling me all about all this. And when I was a kid, I knew better than him. But then when I got older, I started realizing, well, maybe my father was on to something. And see, we don't have too many fathers or too many mothers that have the attitude that we've been lied to for so long that you need to tell your kids, you know, be a little bit more discerning. But no, the government is not going to save us and they never have. The deep state now has taken over. President Biden is not going to save you. President Trump certainly didn't save you. Anarchy, Antifa, uh, Proud Boys, they're not going to save you. And so that's the thing is that it's always about divide and conquer and we're fragmented. And it's not going to, I mean, sure, we can have a, can have a laundry list of all the things we hate and all the grievances that we should unite against. I mean, we the people, we are the ones, common cause, blah, 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 blah. But we are so divided and fragmented now by politics and religion and race and socioeconomics. There's so many different distinctions that you'd want to highlight our differences and highlight our victimhood, and there's no way that's going to ever lead us into a congruent thought process where we're all thinking about how free we want to be rather than how different we are. And that's the problem.
0: Yes. Great points. Totally agree. And man, Clyde, we certainly talked about a Pandora's box of topics and, and dark things that seem to be coming out and stuff you've covered lately. And the world does seem more crazy than ever. And on the brink of the edge in a lot of ways, but not to sound too dramatic, any uh, words of wisdom or general advice for people as we wrap this up?
1: I don't know if there's any wisdom I can impart, only that, you know, you need to keep your mind in a place where you have discernment and openness and don't let, you know, other people tell you how to think. You just need to think. Self-discovery and self, you know, self-learning and is for self-preservation, in my opinion. And, and I think that, you know, we don't always have all the answers, but we can approximate a lot of things. And it's because we have to utilize the things we've learned when we were younger, like history and math and, and even spiritual. I mean, don't think you're too old to have a respect for the spiritual side of you. Don't think you're too old to not get on your knees and pray every once in a while. That's what I always tell people. I mean, I, you know, some people say that prayer is the last resort of a scoundrel, but prayer is also for people who are humble and, People who realize that no, they don't have all the answers, and they need to seek guidance from a higher power or that inner voice, because the inner voice will never lie to you. It just doesn't, and it's a gift that we all have. We need to, I think, explore and magnify upon, and learn about, and understand that we need to rely on our gut. We need to rely on what we feel has always been tried and true, and if you are unsure. About something, maybe you should put it in the back of your mind for a while until you feel safe in making a decision about that. Because I always do that. I always. Some people say I'm too safe, but sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I do go full blast into something, and but it just depends on the mood. It depends on the the moment, and we're going to have many of those moments in the future. I know that
0: we will. Right. Yes. Well. Wise words. And it is good to be skeptical. It's hard to know exactly what's coming next. But if you have skepticism as your default, you might be better prepared because if the talking heads of the news media, the ladies on The View, and the late night hosts all have the same opinion, well, think twice about about why they all might be in such lockstep. But awesome. It has been a pleasure once again. You're one of the greats. Remind them about Aftermath Media and anything else you got going on before I really cut you loose.
1: Well, Aftermath.media is a place, it's our library, it's our home where we have shows and study groups and documents and all kinds of cool things. And it's a subscription to get into it because it takes a lot of bandwidth to host this stuff. You know, we have a subscription for everybody's budget and you can go to Aftermath.media to find out what that is. And also we have, I have a cat crawling everywhere now. (laughs) Um, We have, the shows are on radio stations across the country for free. Everybody thinks that you have to pay to hear the show all the time. No, if you listen live, it's free. But if you want the convenience of listening to the show at another time, that's why we have the paywall, because it does take a lot of bandwidth to host the shows. And it also supports the show too. I mean, we've been independent now for about, five years and you know independent broadcasting without the dictates of corporate america costs a lot of money and that's why you know people say well you know you should be a millionaire by now well no there's no there's no millions in trying to get the truth out there you don't have any interests that are basically you know funding you to say their words so you know we're on our own and we expect we like people who expect quality to at least help us along the way so if you want quality talk radio, if you want quality research and stuff, Ground Zero is the place to be. So go to aftermath.media, sign up today, help the show. We really do appreciate the help. And listen to us Monday through Friday from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. on a radio station near you because we are we just signed a contract with a new company, Talk Media Network, who is a new distributor for our show. We had to get a distributor because doing it all on our own it's difficult. So we had to hire a distributor and hopefully that's going to get us out to more people. So there you go.
0: Yeah. Great. Well, thanks again for taking the time when you're already on the air, the bulk of the day, Monday through Friday, putting out more content in a week than I put out in a month. Very impressive and so consistent for so many years and shout outs to Ron for making it happen, but it means a lot. Keep fighting the good fight, man. Thank you.
1: Thank you. And, Really appreciated the time.
0: Let's go, Higher Side Chatters. Ain't no party like a ground zero party because a ground zero party don't stop. Legend in the field, Clyde Lewis, shooting us straight tonight. You know, I usually book these interviews pretty far in advance, and sometimes I throw a person on the schedule that I just know is going to be able to talk about whatever is current. But yet, if there's no major stuff going on, we also would have no problem filling the time. And that is Clyde. Three hours of live radio a day, closer to five if you count the ad breaks. And he's a lot better than so many other broadcasters with a lot less grueling schedule. But I am glad we got some of this stuff covered. People have been asking me if I was just going to ignore this whole conflict. And of course not. I've said this before, but I don't aim to be the first to talk about something. But I do aim to be thorough when we do. And I think this episode would match that description. Plus, so many great phrases that I could have used for the title the Psyop Circus, the Slave Masters War, Geo the Last Hashtag, the President of Hell, the Last Crust of Bread. I probably will use some of those. I haven't done that part yet, but honestly, I do need to be a little more vague and creative with naming episodes, and it might keep them from getting removed as often as they do from platforms like YouTube and I guess now Spotify. I've changed nothing, but they did stop updating the feed and tossed a bunch of COVID-19 warnings all over the list of shows. (sighs) Whatever. We're still going strong. Remember that THC is a podcast first. We have our own website. We have an RSS feed for both free and plus that works with your podcasting apps. Don't let these corporate platforms get in between us. They are great for allowing new people to discover THC, but that's about it. And even that seems like it's over for us. but there were a lot of little threads about this Russia-Ukraine thing that I wanted to communicate to you guys, just the stuff that I've been seeing that rings true or seems odd. And we got to pepper in a lot of that stuff along with the esoteric stuff that Clyde notices so well. I can't imagine the Rams winning the Super Bowl and sharing the same colors as the Ukrainian flag is coincidental. It's not even a stretch for me to think the Super Bowl is rigged. We went down that road with Brian Toohey twice, who wrote The Fix Is In and highlighted how Boston won some championship the year of the Boston bombing, the New England Patriots won the year of 9-11, and I think the New Orleans Saints or some team won something the year of Katrina. So it all does seem pretty structured. But I'm also very fascinated by that legendary rock that split in Japan. The demonic nine-tailed fox trickster spirit said to be imprisoned for a thousand years now unleashed on the world. Very eerie timing and a sign of the times, to say the least. But we are going to call this our Russia-Ukraine show. I wanted to pack in everything that I think you guys should be aware of or be paying attention to in terms of counter-narrative. Of course, not much has changed since we recorded this, except I think that Zelensky has nationalized the media and banned about a dozen or so opposition parties, which both seem pretty dictatory, but it's in the name of preserving the democracy. So, I don't know. (laughs) You might have seen this, but Candace Owens, obviously known as being pretty... Conservative and saying some very bold things. Well, she was saying how Ukraine is one of the most corrupt countries on the planet. And the New York Times contacted her for comment and was like, What data are you looking at to suggest this claim that you made is accurate? And funny enough, she was able to just pull out a New York Times article from a couple of years ago where they said exactly what she's saying. And it was just a nice game of gotcha where she just presented them with their own article and is like, well, here's my data. (laughs) What do you think? Because, yeah, the media was pretty comfortable saying Ukraine was a very corrupt country just a few years ago. But it's also very coincidental that Biden's son works over there. I heard Pelosi's son works over there. I've also heard Mitt Romney has some relative on the payroll. It seems like anybody in the political establishment of America can get their kids a job on some Ukrainian energy company payroll. But of course, with all the nations in the world for our political class to be seating their children over there in this particular country where this conflict is happening, that's not coincidental either. I mean, on one level, a lot of this does just seem like a reverse of the Cuban missile crisis. Russia is pissed that the West has been using Ukraine as a husk to do work in biolabs or get our weapons closer to their border. Plus, this area has a much longer history than Western media is suggesting. And then another layer is that Putin does seem cozy with the World Economic Forum. His name was taken off their website. But either way, it all does seem quite orchestrated, either by antagonism or by the big script being handed down from the true capstone cabal. But when the economy needs a boost, you can be sure that we're going to war. And wars are just dick-swinging scuffles between egotistical elite who will send thousands of young men and women to die without giving it a second thought. So don't get swept up in their propaganda bullshit. Don't let them drum up support for their operations by pretending to have the moral high ground. We know they don't. There are no good guys at that level. And nobody suffers more than the average citizen who didn't do anything and most likely just wants to be left alone anyway. I'm not going to demonize a person just because they live on a different patch of ground. But like I mentioned at the end of that Gordon White show, listening to a couple of interviews with Russian historians did get me kind of worried that Russia could make a dramatic move that comes a lot closer to home. Because he's not stupid, and this is really a proxy war with the West, and Americans are only so aggressive about supporting it because they don't realize how quickly it could come home. That and the uptick in comments recently from leaders about a cyber pandemic again or a grid attack, those are the things I'm trying to stay on top of and keep in mind. But I hope you agree with a lot of what Clyde said today. I hope you find it cathartic and refreshing to hear something different than the propaganda bombardment. And I'm glad we got into it. I have so many other unrelated shows scheduled that we couldn't not talk about world events somewhere in the lineup. But I also hope you're ready for some topics you probably aren't expecting. And if you liked the free first hour today, you know the second hour is always just as interesting and usually more so. But today in that plus show, we talked about the tyranny roller coaster, the fourth shot that's being called on right now, the Vlade's Lancet study. That's quite concerning. We asked the question of who are the real Nazis in this uh, general conflict we got going on? We talked about Dr. Strangelove and salad based vaccines. They're talking about it, they're planning it. Talked about the consequences of wokeness winning. The question of if we're turning into the Greys, why the poorest countries rebel the best, murder by Bigfoot, and Clyde's Bigfoot sighting at the E-Seti Ranch. You know what to do. Become a Plus member for the full shows, commercial-free and action-packed with one of the biggest archives in the podcasting game. Like I said, we're frozen on YouTube. Seems like we're frozen on Spotify, but THC Plus is going strong. So double your pleasure, double your fun, and don't worry about all the uh, censorship crackdowns from the corporate oligarchy of the digital dystopia. And a big thank you to all the Plus members who do keep the wheels spinning around here. We also just improved another big part of the website with a secondary user menu when you log in. It's got your profile, it's got your direct messages with other members, it's got latest forum posts and a page to make billing adjustments all right there in one place. If you're curious, simply log in on the website and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about and you'll say, oh, that's nice, that's new. Along with the recent change to a Netflix-style display for our archive, I can't imagine doing much else to the website. It's pretty great right now. And it's all Mobile centric, so you can pull this up on any browser on your phone and access the show that way with a new embedded player. It's quite sleek. And I don't talk much about the merch store that we have at the HigherSideClothing.com because honestly, I just don't make that much on the merch. The merch producer makes most of it anyway. But I like having it. And we do have a new shirt design in the store. It is a TV with tentacles bursting out of it and the old hypnotic spiral on the screen. It's very cool. I'm super happy with the way it turned out. I got mine on the way as we speak. And that said, let's look at the calendar at HiresideMeetups.com and see where it's going down. March 25th, my actual birthday, Portland, Oregon. The post-mandate assembly at Dick's Primal Burger. I like it. That is my birthday. If you live in Portland, come on out and celebrate. I won't be there, but, you know, in spirit. April 1st, we have Denver Gets Higher at the Blue Moon Brewery. I have been to the Blue Moon Brewery. It's quite nice. April 6th, Seattle at Chuck's. April 11th, the Hopkins Wild Boar Pig Chimp Hybrid Meetup in Hopkins, Minnesota. We talked about that one last time. And let's throw this one out there. April 13th at the rabbit hole here in San Diego. I love that venue, great name. I won't be there, unfortunately. I will be on the road, but if you're in San Diego, we had a good meetup last time, April 13th. Check the calendar for details. And I am gonna try to add some meetups along the way with this road trip from San Diego to Chicago. But with the baby, we just don't know what our pace is gonna be like. So it's hard to commit to being in Denver or Dallas on a certain day. But keep an eye out, I'm gonna try. And that's the show. Thanks to Clyde. Thanks to my man, Ron, for making it happen. I love you guys. Take care of you and yours. Cherish every day. I've done my part. Your move, World War III string pullers, international conflict creators, and the Build Back Better Battalion. Your fucking move.
3: From space it was falling, it's light started calling, it's making crop circles again. Just as I was looking up, it showed me all the hidden stuff, and now I'm all enlightened and zen. Waking up the masses is hard, silver ships are coming yard by yard. Now I'm not asleep, don't obey the elite, gotta be to the head. Now I start to wonder, now we're not the sheep that they bred us to be, gotta be. We start to wonder, now we start to wonder See a new paradigm of corruption and crime Since the visitors set me straight I encourage you to go when you see the saucers glow One by one we'll all end up awake Silver ships are coming yard by yard Stop.
0: That is another show complete. Remember, as much as you enjoyed this, which is just the free first hour, I hope you'll become a Plus member to hear the full two hour interviews. You also can engage with other Plus members in the comments and the forums. And you'll find your answer to one of the most common questions I get, which is where can I find those cover songs that you use at the end of the show? Well, they are free downloads for Plus members too. And without Plus Members, I can't hire the occasional musician to bring these odd cover song ideas to fruition. Plus Members are how I'm able to do what I do without ads and without the big machine being on my back. We can fit so much more into a two-hour interview and I do my best to make it worth your time and money. The conversation only gets deeper, weirder, and more controversial in that private hour. How could it not the way things are going? But the best way to sign up is at thehiresidechats.com where new first-time subscribers always get a free seven-day trial because i'm just that confident there's no paypal on the website but if you need to use paypal then sign up through patreon and you get all the same episodes our website is a credit or debit system but you can also scope out the other options like a few various cryptos cash or check mailed to the p.o box And I'll even barter with most people if you have your own business and produce something nice that my wife or kid or taste buds might like. But the architects of consensus reality have made it clear that these themes and topics aren't really welcome on the main stage. And so this is how we secure a little counterculture corner for ourselves. And I hope you'll join plus because that is the only way it works. Besides, you can cancel anytime right on your profile page. The most common concern I hear is people just being unsure if THC Plus will work with their podcast app and the answer is probably yes. But if not, we have several high-level app recommendations for whatever phone you use and the website is made for mobile too. We're trained to tip a waitress for bringing us a sandwich but that tip doesn't give you access to a second sandwich. Really, I'm not asking for any more than that, and I think I offer a better service. Come get your second serving of tasty conspiracy goodness in exchange for that small token of your appreciation. Beyond that, let it also be known that we have grown and survived as long as we have by word of mouth. I don't care so much about social media likes or follows, but tell the right people about THC. And not just listeners, but the high level figures who are better suited to sit down with me than most other hosts. And if you can help me with any of these things, I can work to bring you better shows, which is just a win-win for both of us. Informative, entertaining, and action-packed. It also never hurts to thank a guest you liked if you have the time either. We want them to know people are listening, so they're willing to come back down the road too. Thank you for spending some time with me, and cheers to a better tomorrow.